I'm so excited because of the fact that we have been, uh, we launched off this year's new theme, which was the year of transformation. It is the year of transformation here at Calvary. And we, we started with our scripture for the theme verse for this year, which was Isaiah 43, verse 19. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Amen? God is doing something new in our midst, and we're so grateful for that. We've been unpacking this introductory series, and we started with being transformed in worship, and then we moved to being transformed in community with one another. We talked last week about being transformed in serving, and this week we're wrapping up with being transformed in mission. And this is something so close to my heart. These themes will carry out throughout the year. Uh, they'll carry on, and next week we're excited to start into, we're into a, starting into Lent season. Can you believe it? To, to be actually going towards Easter already? But we are, uh, we're very excited, and the staff have talked amongst each other about just how God keeps pressing on all of our hearts this need for prayer. And so we're going into a series on prayer, uh, in which we have multiple staff we're gonna be sharing on, and uh, we're, we're, we know that God's going to do something as we focus on being transformed in our worship through prayer. And so that's just something to look forward to in the weeks to come. Uh, we're gonna turn in our Bibles, uh, and we're going to go, to go to Matthew chapter four, starting at verse 18 to 22. It's a short passage, and it's a familiar one to all of us, but let's hear it today. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee and preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. I have three simple points to, to draw our attention to today. And it's regarding this mission that we're all called towards. The first point is that Jesus, he was the one who called, and that makes all the difference in the mission. Jesus who was said in scripture to be one who spoke as one who had authority. He was the one who called them. And he called them in such a way that they dropped everything to follow him. Can you picture it with me? Being out fishing all day, the smell and the aroma of a wonderful boat happening and all that comes with it. <laughs> and they've been fishing all day, and Jesus comes to them and he says, I will make you fishers of men. And they drop their nets and they follow him because he was one who called and who had authority. There's this doctrine regarding the supremacy of Christ that we hold true and, and sacred in the church, and it teaches us that the highest form of authority belongs to Jesus because of the fact that he is God. It's not just a prophet, not just a teacher, he is God. And the word supreme means it's the highest rank of authority. For example, if you have a tough case, or if it's uh, a case that's being appealed, it will go to what, to the Supreme Court, uh, and maybe referred to 
uh, to, is going to the next level of authority. Scripture talks all about the supremacy of Christ, being this supreme authority, and it says in Colossians 1, verse 16 to 8, for in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities or rulers, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Someone say amen. Whew. Thank goodness. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, someone say everything, everything, everything he might have the supremacy. Can I encourage you today, if you say, I am a tough case. <laughs> I've been passed along from people to people, church to church, and, and I'm a tough case when it comes to my feelings about the kingdom and what's right and wrong. And my skepticism has made me tough over time. May I encourage you, God is not intimidated by how complex your past is, your present circumstances. He is not uh, overwhelmed by your situation or how much you have turned from him over and over again. But I promise you there is no mistake that he has brought you here to church today because of the fact that he believes in the tough cases. And he holds the supreme authority. And because he's called you, it means you're worthy to be called. And he calls each of us by name to follow him, to drop everything and turn our lives over to Jesus. It was Jesus, the one with all authority, who was and is God, Jesus, he called them. And, and that changed everything. That's what I love about these videos is we see how just that simple decision to follow Jesus, it changed everything. It changed the, the trajectory of someone's course of life. And the disciples, their identity was transformed because he called them. You know, I was thinking about this idea of being called and I, I had this like flashback of different phones that have come throughout the years. Like I remember having to pull the cords like into another room and shut the door and pick up the phone to take a call, right? They didn't want your sisters hearing or something. Um, I remember uh, the, the buttons that used to stick when you would press them because they, they're just an older phone and it would stick and it was plasticky. Do you remember those phones? Some of you are, don't have a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day that says, why grandma do you say hang, hang up the phone, right? <laughs> hang up the phone. Well, here's the, this is the one that came to mind when I was thinking of our identity being changed by a call. And uh, my grandparents, who we lived next door to for years, and they had this black phone that was mounted on the wall. My parents are here today, so they remember well. A black phone, even Dwayne, I think, remembers this phone. It was there forever. And, uh, and it had a rotary phone, like that would go around and you'd wait for it to go. And then you'd go get all the way back. And it was just this like, patient process of making a phone call. And they had a long cord so you could go into the living room or you could stay in the kitchen, but either way, they also had a stool you could step up on if you need to sit and listen, talk to the, on the phone. And I remember, I could, it's some of the craziest memories that I have of, of things that I shouldn't remember, but I do remember this time when I was staying at my grandparents and I figured it out, I would have been three and a half years old, if you can believe it. And I remember my grandparent being, I don't remember which grandparent, but one of them was on the phone and we were waiting for an important call 
and they said, your dad wants to talk to you. And I remember the phone being passed to me and my dad saying, your little sister Julie, her, your little sister's been born. Her name is Julie. In that moment, it, it, it changed things. <laughs> now, I already had a sister who was 22 months younger than I was, and then my, now my other sister who's 18 months under that. Someone say, how did you do that, Mom? How did you manage four, three kids under four years old at that moment in time? Whew. Way to go, moms. But in that moment, I wasn't just a sister of, a big sister of one, I was a big sister of two, and my identity had shifted, and suddenly there was this responsibility that I really had no clue of when I was three and a half, but I knew that something changed with a call. And that is the way it is with a call from the Father God. When he calls us through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and he calls us to follow, our identity becomes transformed because of the one who is calling us to follow. And what I love is that none of the baptismal candidates today claimed anything in themselves that caused them to devote their whole life to following Jesus. It was because of a deep inner work that began with the call of God to follow. And our identity is transformed by that call. But what I love about this passage and what really stood out to me as I was praying about it this week was that... There's other similar gospels, and in all of them that Jesus was speaking to them, he was transforming uh, their identity while simultaneously transforming their mission. Sometimes we put these as two very, very separate things, but it all was one, wasn't it? It wasn't just at the end of his mentorship process, it wasn't just the end of a sermon series like I might be doing right now, but it was, on just in, it was in those moments of rabbi's teaching and it was also at the very beginning. How many people have ever been on an airplane before? How many people have been on a passenger airplane before? How many people wish you were on a passenger airplane to somewhere warm on a beach and excited and getting ready to go on vacation, that would be awesome right now. Does it ever bother anyone, does it bother anyone else, I guess I should say, that one of the very first things you hear the flight crew talk to you about as you're about to take off on this plane to a wonderful destination is what will happen in case of an emergency? <laughs> does it bother anybody else that that's the first thing we get to talk about? A reminder of what could go wrong. Of course, this is a good thing and a preventative measure that I appreciate deep down inside, but wouldn't you rather hear about all the wonderful adventures you're going to have, about your feet being in the sand, about the pool, about all this time unplugged and away from everything else? And when we talk about getting the call to a mission as a follower of, our fa as a follow follower of Christ, and it's at the forefront of our faith journey, some of us might think of it more like a call to the worst case scenario that we're being told. Let me explain. We don't love to be reminded of what we're supposed to do in life. And that's why it's difficult as we talk about it. Now, it, it, can, be, it can bring up some guilt feelings of not sharing our faith on mission. We think about those moments and situations where we could have perhaps maybe share our faith or our personal beliefs and but we're kind of like those persons on the airplane who would, if we're honest with ourselves, 
in this stage in our Christian walk, when we think about sharing our faith, we may be persuaded, we may be of the persuasion to want to put on headphones on this Christian walk in life and ride and just stare at the seat in front of us and think of where we're going but not participate with others on either side of us. And sometimes we think when we get told we're, we're to share our faith that this is mission that we have, sometimes we think the worst case scenario is that I have to tell somebody about why I believe what I believe. And perhaps it's because we know it's not always a picnic, being able to share our faith. Jesus, he warned them about that while he was talking and teaching he called them fishers of men, but then he also explained to them that people might reject you, people will persecute you, people won't like everything you have to say when you receive Christ, when you, you say you're a follower of me. And he, he explained it along the way that it's not always a great, comfortable ride, but he made sure they knew that their identity was intertwined with the mission. And when life transformation takes place, true encounters with Jesus, whether it be at a camp, whether it be a youth group, whether it be in a small group, by your bedside, on your way to work, in the car, when you are transformed, there's something that happens that makes it not hard to share, particularly at the beginning. Have you ever met a new Christian? Like a brand new Christian, one who's been delivered from the past, then their sins of the past, who suddenly know what it feels like to have no shame, but to be full of joy and peace with God. They're excited, they're overflowing. It, we call them, we say they're on fire for God. We, we've said those things in the past. The call of Jesus should change our identity and it should change us in a way that makes us compelled to tell others. And the disciples' identity was transformed to reflect the mission. Let me remind you of this scripture. They were casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Then he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. He wasn't just saying, come follow me and, and learn from my teachings. Come follow me, be more like I am, because that's exa exactly what they would have at first, uh, at first glance realized that this rabbi had called them to come and glean from his understanding and his wisdom, to learn. It was a privilege to be able to be called by a rabbi to follow. But he wasn't just saying follow, he was saying, come be transformed. You're not just fishermen, you're now fishers of men. You are one who will go and change the world because of what I'm doing in you and through you. And when we follow Jesus, we aren't just aiming to be like Jesus, although man, what a beautiful world that would be. When we follow Jesus, we are somehow transformed in our mission, in our very purpose for existing, and it has to do less to do with our identity and more to do with alignment to his purposes. And my prayer is that as we are asking Holy Spirit to do a transformation work in us, that we will become aligned with his mission. The disciples' identities were transformed to reflect the mission, and the same goes for you and I, doesn't it? Say this sentence with me, and I mean it in all sincereness. 
I, I say it about myself as well, but together, let's say this what says on the, on the board, it's not all about me. Isn't that an encouragement? It's got to be more than just about our own lives, especially if we aim to be transformed into Christ-likeness. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8 says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If it was all about his own well-being, Jesus would never have gone to the cross. But he was obedient to the point of death because he was on a greater mission, amen? You're here today because he was on a greater mission. And the last thing I wanna leave us with today is this beautiful realization that Jesus knew how big the reward was. Jesus knew how big the reward was. We have this thing called the Synoptic Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have a, a, a package full of different stories that have been accumulated and, and vetted against one another, but with one another. And, and they're not all exactly the same accounts, but they, they give us a fuller picture together of the life of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. And Luke, he includes this detail of the disciples' call to follow. They were in a boat, the Bible says, which Jesus had asked to borrow. He used it basically as like a floating pulpit, <laughs> a platform where he could get away from the crowds and be able to be seen and heard. And there was a group of tired fishermen who caught nothing all day. And this story has spoken to me numerous times over the years, and every time I go to preach it, it has an, another element that just comes to the surface. And what stands out to me today is this connection between this lesson he was teaching them about faith and the mission he was calling them to. He calls them to, to take their nets and put them on the other side. And the disciples say, we've been fishing all day, Lord. We know we're not gonna catch anything. Remember, we are fishers of men. We are the experts here. And he says, no, take them. Put, them on the, put the nets on the other side. And Peter says, okay, because you said so. There's that authority again. Because you said so, we will do it. And he puts the nets, they put their nets on the other side, the side and we get this imagery of the nets suddenly overflowing with fish. And then after, they take extra people to come and bring them all on board and the, the boat almost sinks and they bring it to shore. And then Jesus says the words, which he said in the other gospels as well, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Jesus knew how big the mission really was. 
He knew how big the mission was. He knew the capacity, the imagery of nets full to overflowing, fresh in their mind would be a foretelling of the capacity for reaching people with the transformational message of Jesus. The transformational transformational message of salvation through Jesus, the imagery was connected to the identity that they would become fishers of men. Their mission would be tied to their identity and the capacity for great reward, for a great, uh, a great catch at the end of the day, that this capacity was an abundant capacity. He knew how big the mission really was, but it wasn't a burden, it was a reward. Because if you are pulling in what you've been fishing for all day long in nets, and suddenly they were, go from empty to being full to being overflowing to almost breaking, I'm telling you, you're not gonna get upset you're gonna be excited and you're gonna start pulling other people on board. You might get a few more friends, you might have to hire a few more fishermen, but either way, you are going to grab a hold of what is yours and you are going to celebrate and be excited about what comes next. Later, as if the disciples needed a second imagery to remember the words Jesus says this in Matthew 9:37 The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the into his harvest There is no shortage Let me just say this there is no shortage of missional work for the church today. Jesus, he picked up his team. He picked out his team to co-labor with. And then he started on a mission and he started to reach the marginalized first. He reached the unloved, the poor in spirit, the ones who people had given up on, the sinful sinners. He reached out to the hopeless critics and he loved them. He had compassion on them, the Bible says, and then showed them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't leave that part out, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's this message of hope and healing and purpose that we carry with us. It's ours to share, and it makes me emotional today. It makes me excited. It's ours to share, not just to a few, but to the many who will come across our nets for no other reason except for God himself put them in the net, net that's close to us. Do you believe that today? It's not a burden, it's this blessing to be able to be co-laborers, but to actually believe by faith that God could do abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine. We just have to say, because you said so, I will follow. 
The people who I know who always have the most stories, the number of testimonies about people they came across, to, came across their path who they shared this thing about faith or this person they invited to a service and then they came to church or this person that they served in the community were able to reach out to in just a moment because they happened to come across their path. There's no happenstance about it. These people who have the most testimonies, those who we would say maybe have the gift of evangelism, but I would hesitate to say Rather than just a gift, they have an expectation that God is one who could fill up nets that are empty. That God brings into our path people who need to hear the gospel message. God brings into our path unlovely people who need to see the love and care of Jesus expressed through your actions so that you're able to share with them that he truly is the way. And what would happen if every time we met someone, we asked this simple question, God, is there something about you I can show this individual today? Is there something I can show them about you, Jesus? Whether it be through my actions, my words, my response, my story, or my simple invitation. And when we start to posture ourselves in that way, remembering that our identity is fully meshed with the mission we've been called to, we'll watch those nets start to fill up. We'll watch our church have to equip more leaders. We'll watch our church expand in ways that require greater space or multiple campuses or who knows what that looks like if Holy Spirit began to move. We'll watch entire communities become transformed into Christ-likeness. We'll watch nets begin to break and more people calling in to, to help bring in that harvest or that catch. We'll watch the greatest harvest compel us to not only want to follow Jesus closer, but to tell others about him. The greatest way to motivate people to tell others about their faith is to see what happens when others tell others about their faith. <laughs> it's testimony. It's baptisms. It's speaking about what God has been doing through your life in the lives of others around you. That's the kind of transformation that I wanna see happen in our church. One that we, yes, I want us to become more like Jesus. I want us to grow in our worship and community. I want us to be able to grow in serving. It's, and it, we're really good at that, aren't we? Just like being able to just encourage the serving aspect. It means it helps the world go round. But at the beginning of it all, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he spoke it all through his message, all through the years when he was discipling them. But then he also spoke it as his last words, which are important to remember. Jesus, after resurrecting from the dead, he met his disciples in Galilee, and he said these parting words, Matthew 28, verse 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he changed their lives. He transformed their identities. And throughout his whole time with them, he prepared them for the mission he had for them, which is to tell others the good news about what he had done for them. It's good news today. It's good news. Salvation in Jesus. It's not a perfect life. It's not an easy life. And Jesus never promised pure happiness. But he did promise us that he would be with us. And he reminds us even in this passage that he's with us always, even to the very end of the age. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up as we close our service together. Would you stand with, actually stay, stay seated for one minute. Let's bow our heads together. I don't wanna miss an opportunity the Holy Spirit may have for us even in this moment. Just as the worship team are, are coming up. Jesus, we want to thank you that you are one who still calls people by name. Thank you, Jesus, that you called me by name long time ago in a voice that was so recognizable because it was very personal. I didn't understand it all. I didn't have the capacity to really comprehend the theology, the doctrines, but I knew there was a Savior who loved me. Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was in need of a Savior just like everyone else. And in that moment of realization that I needed to confess my sins before the Lord and make my heart right with Him, I said yes to following Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, would you touch on the hearts of those who have not yet received you today here in this congregation, in this church? Would you do what the scripture says, which says that you, you knock on the door of our hearts if anyone would answer that you, you'll come in. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would start knocking on the hearts of people today who are here not by mistake, but because the Father has called them. And Jesus, you're calling them right now to follow you. And so just while every heart's bowed, every eyes are closed, if there's anyone here and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're saying, I don't want to go one more day without saying yes to Jesus. I don't understand it all, but I know that he's calling me. Would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around, but I'll, I'll see it. I'll keep you in prayer. And we'll pray together with you even right now. If you've never received Christ in your, as your Lord and Savior, or today you want to make a commitment to him fresh and anew, just raise your hand up to the Father. Yes, Jesus. Just give another moment here for anyone else who would like to raise their hands or receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Thank you, Jesus.
Now together as a church congregation, why don't we stand together as a sign of our desire to follow Jesus in all aspects of our life, including this missional component of sharing our faith in Jesus. You know, when Jesus was sending this, saying this message about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He had just released 72. Remember, he called 12, but he's now releasing 72. There's this multiplication that happens in the kingdom of heaven. And what I'm excited about today, even as we get ready to leave this service together, is as we go from this place, the Lord is gonna multiply your efforts. It may start with just saying a simple prayer before you leave this place that this week God will bring someone in your path who you could share something about your faith with them. It could be just a simple thing where you're gonna see people different this week than you've seen them for the last several months. Instead of people who are gonna be annoying you, instead of people who are just average people that you're passing in traffic or at a grocery store, suddenly you're gonna be seeing people in the way that Jesus sees them and you're gonna realize you're supposed to cast your net. <laughs> you're supposed to share your faith with them or you're supposed to be kind to them or compassionate to them, whatever that looks like. There's enough missional work in the community and surrounding communities of Peterborough that no one should go, come back empty-handed next week without a story of how God has used you this week. So let's raise our hands together in a benediction together. Come on, let's raise our hands and surrender to him one more time. Jesus, we say yes to following you. We thank you that you are the one who has all authority and you call us by name. We thank you that our identities are intertwined with the mission you've called us to share the good news of Jesus with everyone we meet. And God, we thank you that the reward is great, that the harvest is plentiful, and we pray that you would equip us and send us from this place encouraged today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen.